turns out, like, a lot of millions of people watch the Masters, which, frankly, is not a surprise. Not only is it the most watched golf tournament every year, but when we finally did get to Sunday and the final round basically started on time, we had two of the best players on earth in the final group, John Rahm and Brooks Kepka. I do not believe that a single person thought, huh, they play on different golf tours. But it was a storyline going into the Masters. I don't think it was really a storyline coming out of the Masters. Jerry Fultz, who is a one of the top golf commentators for the Live Tour. You can hear them or watch them on The CW. At Jerry Foltz GC, which now stands for just Golf Commentator, I'm told. And he joins us on the Adam Gold Show. First of all, first time we have spoken, I'm a fan. How are you? I'm doing great, Adam. You come uh, with very high regards from mutual friends there in Raleigh, so I'm looking forward to chatting with yeah, you. Yeah, they, uh, they really don't know what they're talking about, but they do a good job <laughs> at other areas of their life. So I know a lot of people, and I thought this was going to be a much bigger deal in the lead up to the uh, to the start, I thought that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it would be a constant conversation at Augusta National about the PGA Tour, live, how the Masters views it all, uh, and we really had nothing. It there, it, like crickets. Nobody was talking about it. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, yes, it is a good thing. Absolutely. Because that's ultimately where golf will end up once the dust settles, which is taking a lot longer than I thought it would. But yeah, that's, that's a very good thing because, uh, there's a new league in town and they're not going away anytime soon. And no matter how much fighting goes on against it or how much, you know, one-sided uh, narrative is, is constructed toward it. It's not going anywhere. And the fans have basically are saying, I think almost unanimously, but not unanimously, but uh, in large part, we're tired of it enough with the pettiness. And by the way, when you get on the property at Augusta national, whether you're media, whether you're a player, whether you're a TV person, whether you're a fan, you play by Augusta's rules. Yes. And that's, that's very obvious. You walk on eggshells a little bit around there and so it wasn't if Augusta didn't want it to be an issue which they never did then the media was not going to propagate that issue uh too much for fear of not being able to come back quite honestly well that that is true we're talking with Jerry Foltz here who was a golf commentator for Live Golf you can watch their events on the CW here in Raleigh it's channel 22 uh so there was a lot of people there were there were a lot of people if I can construct the sentence in proper English. There were a lot of people who were complaining that Phil Mickelson was not interviewed by CBS after the tournament. They did eventually get to Brooks Kepka, but they did not interview Phil. And it occurred to me, because I really didn't miss it necessarily, although I know Amanda Brenner uh, and I know her husband very well, um, that we ha- we saw almost nothing from Amanda uh especially on Sunday through with however many holes they played. Uh, there were no interviews. I think the Masters basically just said, you know what, out of just playing it safe, we're going to do none of that. Is that a fair read on why? Because Phil is a big story. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea why he wasn't interviewed. I'll, I'll find out next week when I talk to him but in Australia. But 
It could be that he said no. It could be that he, you know, as he did when he went into the champions dinner, he didn't want to be a disruptive force there. He wanted to be appreciative of the fact that they did the right thing and allowed the live players to play that were currently qualified. That could be a part of it. It could be that CBS didn't want to interview him. Um, you know, they didn't really show Patrick Reed until he really, really, really got in the mix late Sunday. Uh, he was he was kind of, um, you know, invisible out there for the most part. Uh, the only thing I wonder about is if if it were Jordan Spieth or Scotty Scheffler or Rory McIlroy, who uh, unfortunately missed the cut, but if yeah. it was them who rallied and shot 65 on Sunday to finish second, well, would we have heard from them? Was there a double standard there? And and to be quite honest, I, I can't really I can't really hold hard feelings against them if there is because they they went a lot farther than anybody else went uh, in terms of trying to just settle down the, you know, quit pumping the tires of the anti-live people. So if that's what Augusta decided, that's fine. Um, I think we all would have loved to have heard from him. He has love him or hate him. He's a, he's a galvanizing figure in golf and people do enjoy hearing from him, especially when that personality started to come out more and more like the old Phil during the week. Phil played great. I watched his press conference after in the interview room there was one question, uh, it was actually a back-to-back question, about you know, basically saying you've ruined your reputation. Do you think this had something, you know, might help repair that? And Phil was like, it's two different things, and he was right about that. Uh, that clearly somebody wanted to pose this as a Phil is the rebel, but uh, the Masters was never going, they were never going to change their criteria. Uh, the qualified players are always going to be the qualified players. Uh, I don't think the Masters will change that. I don't think the other majors will change it as well, either because then it just opens them up to be painted as anti-live. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm more... Well, you're, you're, I think you I think you're right, but I think you might be wrong in one sense. I think they will change their qualifying criteria to include more live players in the future. Okay. I don't think anybody who's a head of state, be it uh, Fred Ridley or, or uh, Martin Slumbers or Mike Wan or Seth Waugh, the four organizing bodies of the majors, want to hold a major that has an asterisk by it because they didn't have the best possible players in their field. I think they, they all believe that they are above politics in the game of golf, and I think eventually – whether it's in the near future or maybe next year or shortly thereafter, where now because the, uh, the official world golf rankings are essentially being used as a political tool by Jay Monahan to squeeze out the live players in time from the majors, I think they will react to that and basically make the official world golf rankings as a qualification tool for their majors essentially obsolete. I don't want to ask you real quick because I'm going to get to the world golf rankings in a second. Also, the assertion, really an accusation uh, that Jay Monahan is manipulating it. But I just want to get to what when you when you said earlier, when the dust settles, what do you mean by the dust settling? I think we're getting we're getting we made a big step this past weekend by quieting so many of the critics. There has been a one sided narrative out there against live uh, that's been propagated by whether it's. uh, uh, verbally been encouraged or policy wise been told or what have you that has been that has been propagated by Pontevedra and those that are in bed with them and who are beholden to them have taken a one sided stance that is completely anti live. Now I understand the product is different and you may not like 
for whatever reasons, the source of the funding. But the fact is, it's a new league in town. They're not going anywhere. It's happened in other sports in the almost identical way. And, of course, when you have a monopoly that's starting to lose a little bit of their share, if you will, um, that is going to that is going to be responded with by aggression and, uh, and some sort of fight, which is what the PGA Tour is understandably doing. Look, if I were Jay Monahan, I don't think I'd do anything different than what he's done. Um, quite honestly, that's the way you react when you feel threatened as an entity, uh-huh. and that's, I know they feel threatened. I know that uh, ideally, in a, in a kind of altruistic world, Live Golf would love to have been, like they said, additive to the sport. Right. Just bring another, another style of watching golf to help bring in viewers that weren't watching golf. The, the golf TV product of old has gotten stale, and it's gotten, and it's, it's so over, uh, I mean, there, there's so much golf to watch on TV yes. now that the, the market share was dropping. The game wasn't growing from a TV perspective, and that was by and large one of the big things Liv had in mind by creating the product they did and the style in which they show it to bring in younger viewers, to bring in people who wouldn't ordinarily watch golf and to make it look fun and exciting and fast. Jerry Foltz is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show, uh, golf commentator for Live Golf. Um, I'm going to make sure that everybody understands that I am saying this and not you. I would like you to react to it. Um, I never believed for a second that it was created to be additive, though. Um, Greg Norman said that, but if it was supposed to be additive, it wouldn't have been a 14. Actually, it was proposed as a 15-event tour because there's just no way that you could have something added on to a, a the PGA tour where guys were playing anywhere from 15 to 20 times and have a 15 tour series that was supposed to be additive. I think, and again, I could be wrong here, but I think that Norman's plan all along was to raid the tour, take the best players, create what he wanted back 40 years ago, a world tour and leave the PGA tour with what was left. I think that's what he wanted to do. I never thought it was additive. Well, uh, you, you don't. You're not alone in that opinion by any means. Um, I would disagree. I know originally it was going to be a ten event series, then maybe twelve, and then it went to fourteen. But if you look at the scheduling of those four, the eight events last year and the fourteen events this year, they are up against the what you can now legitimately call the lower yep. tier. PGA Tour events. They were they were put into those positions on purpose. They weren't. They didn't want to go up against the bigger events and the, the now what are called elevated events or obviously the majors because they wanted those players, if if given the right, to have the ability to play their favorite tournaments and still play live. Now, also going forward, there's going to be there's a lot of talk about the teams expanding their rosters where only four play each week, but they have other guys on the team that they can slot in and slot out. And uh, and therefore allow many more guys to play more events worldwide if and when that ever becomes an option for them. Jerry Foltz is joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. So the next step is the official World Golf Rankings. I've said this before. I believe Liv deserves points. I think they probably need to make some adjustments to the structure of the tour. I know they've tried to align with a tour called Mina, which is a a small tour in Asia. Uh, They probably need to change some of the structure, maybe expand the field size in order to meet some criteria. Uh, But the tour is not just the PGA. The rankings are not just the PGA tour. 
Um, it's the DP World Tour. It's the fo- the four majors. It's uh, the Association of Tours. Uh, the PGA Tour. They might have a, an influence, uh, an influential, you know, part of this, but it's everybody. <laughs> I mean, I you could I, I guess you could chuckle. Maybe I'm naive about this, but I, no, no, you know a lot more than most anybody I talk to. Absolutely, no. Uh, yeah, you got on the board of the official World Golf Rankings is an official from Augusta National. You have Seth Wall, Mike Wan, and you have Martin Slumbers, the the chairman of it, the the non. Uh, stakeholder, if you will, that's on the board is Peter Dawson, who used to be the CEO right. of the RNA. Um, so there's there's a lot of uh, and there's a, the Asian Tour is represented, sure. and then the and then the Federation of World Tours is also represented. Um, many of them, especially the DP World Tour, the European Tour, is a financial partner with the PGA Tour being heavily invested now in the yes. DP World Tour, and and not really. I don't know if they're autonomous in, in making their own decisions in that regard now. Uh, so there is if, if anybody who thinks that Jay Monahan doesn't yield the most power on that board, I think might might be a little uh, Pollyannish, if you don't mind my saying. Um, and it is the reason I say it's used as a political tool by Monahan is because his rights fees for his domestic rights holder, CBS Golf Channel, NBC, has a guaranteed strength of field in the events that they such televise. And if the PJ Tour doesn't deliver that strength of field, then I believe the rights fees can be adjusted accordingly, sure. which means they would lose money. Um, so in that, that strength of field is calculated based on official World Golf Ranking average. So obviously there is a huge vested interest on the PJ Tour's behalf in that regard financially to keep their rankings as high as possible. They, they had a, uh, a reset of points distribution just last year, and the only tours that went up in rankings and ranking points that they were getting were the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour, where uh, across the board, uh, completely across the board, all the other world tours uh, were given less points. Well, the, the, look, I, I don't understand exactly how the point distribution works. I do know this. Field size matters. We've all we've always heard that size matters, but field size matters to the world rankings now. And the smaller fields, even though you'll have theoretically the better players, the smaller fields should diminish, at least in some way, the points. And I mean, that's basic. The world rankings had been uh, the change in the had been in the works for uh, a couple of years before we got to this point. So I I don't know what. The ultimate breakdown, I know what the points used to be. If you won a major, you got like, I don't know, you get 100 points for winning a major, whatever whatever it is you got. I do know that Brooks Kepka went from 118 to 39 for yeah. finishing second. Phil Mickelson went from 425 to 70, what was it, 72 in the official right. World Golf Rankings. So the, the majors, even with the smaller, but the majors are different. Uh, so I don't know how the total impact is. Um, and I, well, again, I think they deserve points. They're just going to, and I think they'll get them if they adjust their field size and probably adjust the way the tour is set up. No, no, no. That's uh, three things come to mind in that argument. Number one, the, the, they're going to be extremely obsolete as soon as one major and then the others will fall in line. Says, look, 
enough, you guys, enough with this world golf rankings. We need the best possible field we can get. We're going to adopt one of these alternative ranking systems, or we're going to create our own to guarantee that we have the best field. Um, now, in terms of field size, the PJ Tour next year is going to their elevated events with a very small right. field as well. What is it, 50 players? And anybody who thinks they're going to end up give, giving themselves less points uh, is is nuts. Those those with the strength of field will be so high based on their rankings, and I call their rankings OWGR. Sorry, I know that's a misnomer because <laughs> it is supposedly an independent body, but um, then they're going to get a lot of points as well. Um, so I, I think it's it's almost obsolete. And and the third thing that comes to mind is what is the OWGR? It, why are these criteria there? Why is there qualification? Should it not be who is the best golfer in the world judged by who is the best golfer in the world based on how they play against the other best golfer in the golfers in the world? And there are another other ranking systems out there that do that right now. TUGR comes to mind, which is just basically handicapping the entire world of professional golfers based on their head to head competition. SI has their own with a different yeah. strength of field rating and then uh data golf has one that's pretty good as well now in all of those phil mickelson and brooks kepka were well down based on their play in the last two years yeah. year and a half so that's that's not a surprise they just played great but anybody who thinks um, uh, that they aren't amongst the top 100 players in the world um typically would be i think a little mistaken but they didn't they hadn't proven it lately so i think their rank their rankings weren't all that inaccurate they just happened to play great um, but I think moving forward, if you want a ranking, it has to be an unbiased ranking. It can't be political. There can't be criteria based on it. I want to know who the best player is for the last six months, year, 18 months, whatever the sampling size is, uh, in, across the globe for a fair and accurate ranking. And, and to do that, you need someone who's not involved in the game, who doesn't have an axe to grind. I don't disagree with that at all, not a single percent. I, I think that the rankings don't reflect exactly who the best players in the world are because the players who have chosen to go to live and they did they did this and we have to cut this short this has been fun anyway uh but the they they made that decision a year ago knowing full well what was going to happen at least they should have they should have known knowing the possibility of what might happen yeah yeah they That's i mean well, they knew they were going to not receive points except when they played in majors uh for the better part of a year i mean if even if the world golf rankings gave them points there was still going to be a, an 18 month lag time before before that happened just following the rules as they were stated the tour had to be uh in existence for a full year before points were going to be awarded and there had to be certain criteria met so they had to know that if they if they looked into it they they made their decision understanding that and that's fine uh, again i hope they get points and i hope that uh, the world golf rankings more accurately reflect. We all, I mean, Cam Smith's still a top 10 player in the world. Joaquin Neiman, Abe Answer, top, uh, you know, 35 or so players in the world. Kepka belongs in the top 10 or 15 now that he's healthy uh, for sure. Uh, I don't know how many other players on that tour are legitimately top 50, but we know that there are several of them that are not reflected in the rankings right now. Uh, you yeah, are right, you are right now. High. Had we been getting the points that that I think that Liv deserves from the very beginning, and that could have happened quite easily on the OWGR's part because they've done it before with other tours, but they were tours that fell under the PGA Tours umbrella. Whether it would be PGA Tour China who got right. points their first season, PGA Tour Latin America, all of those who got points their very first season. Um, but you look at Charles Howell and Paul Casey, who had we been getting points, had played well enough, extremely well, leading up 
to the Masters where they would have qualified based on that criteria as well. So there's really only two players, maybe three this year that were left out. But in the future, because they're getting squeezed out, there's going to be a lot more. And therein lies the emphasis, I think, on behalf of the majors to gather together and say, look, we, we, can't, we can't get involved. We can't stay involved in this game. By the way, uh, enjoy Australia. I know you guys are headed there, uh, and I appreciate your time. And Charles Howell could have stayed at home uh, for the Masters. Exactly. He didn't have to. Could, he could have not rented out his house, maybe to Tiger uh, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, Jerry Fultz at Jerry Fultz GC on Twitter. Uh, I'd love to do it again, sir. Anytime, Adam. I appreciate your time, Jerry Fultz here. Uh, and again, next, not this week. They're off this week. Next week. On the CW, you get another uh, live event. Again, I've said this before. The product, the TV product, is very good. Very, very good.